0: and welcome everybody to episode 41 of the regression to the meme podcast i am your host sean moran and it is monday and it is victory monday keegan somehow some way the 49ers were able to prevail oh that's right this isn't a 49er podcast there were other games that were actually played what a kind of boring weekend of football wasn't as entertaining as super wild card weekend how would you phrase it's okay to say it was boring it Uh, was boring outside of the 49ers and cowboys game which didn't really have the traditional fireworks that we like to see but still entertaining nonetheless kind of a boring day of football on sunday and a pretty boring day on saturday
1: Uh, it's kind of weird i'll tell you what i would do it all over again Tonight, because I miss Monday night football. And then Monday night without football tonight, I would go back and appreciate every second of the games this weekend. If it meant I was watching football. You have the Monday night blues? Yeah. My Monday schedule, usually get off of work, you know, and then I go, go to my scheduled therapy appointment. And then the traffic's really bad when I leave. So I always, like, put a game up, the Monday night game, in my car, like, where the screen is just listen to the audio of the game so I don't miss the first 15 minutes of it. Get home, immediately throw on the game, watch the game. Then we record, we talk about football. And tonight, there was this this vacant hole in my Monday for several hours where all I did was think about a football game that I could be watching. I've got several follow-up questions. Are you
0: such a football guy that you watch games on your phone while driving or are you just listening to the games what's what's going on here
1: well well, the video is playing but uh Mm -hmm. respectfully of course i'm I'm not watching yeah i'm not watching but i am i am listening okay i
0: i've been known to to put the earbuds in and and to have red zone in my ears when i need to run an errand on a sunday i've been known to do it yeah. I've done it a couple times. You're, uh, yeah. you're,
1: you're lying if you say you haven't done something like that.
0: Well, m- my girlfriend and I celebrated our, our anniversary on Saturday, and one of my promises to her is that she would not be subjected to a single second of football on Saturday. Outside of a good couple ma'am. texts, outside of maybe sneaking a peek in the bathroom at the restaurant, uh, I did pretty good. I did pretty good. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> a
1: peek in the restroom. If you're an addict. I'm
0: not gonna lie. I, I needed to see what was going on in that Eagles Giants game. I just had to see it. At one point, I didn't even know Mahomes was injured. I, I, well, I, I learned. Know. I, I get text group
1: in, chat you're like, "Wait a minute, Mahomes is hurt."
0: I have no idea Mahomes is hurt. And then I, I throw on like one of the fourth quarter drives where he's hobbling around and he, he just throws that crazy touchdown to to MVS in the back of the end zone off one leg. And I was just like, "Oh my god, Mahomes is just a legend." So. Barely got to watch on Saturday. On Sunday, though, got to sit down, watch both games. I paid for for dinner. I paid for lunch on Saturday for our anniversary. I drove Hannah to and from the place. I was the dutiful boyfriend, and her gift to me was uninterrupted football on Sunday. So that that was a hell of an anniversary gift. But I, if I Congratulations lie. on
1: your anniversary, Sean,
0: by the way. Thank you. So we didn't have football on Monday today, but, you know, we did have, we had condensed games, and I got to watch all four games, the condensed versions. I'm up to date on everything. I've already rewatched the 49er game. I'm ready to talk ball, man.
1: Well, who else would it be better to start with than Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers beating the Dallas Cowboys and moving on to the NFC Championship game, Sean? Unfiltered, what are your thoughts? So the 49ers beat the Cowboys 19-12. to
0: 12. They cover, which Keegan, keegster as we called him, said they were going to cover on the Friday podcast. Thank you, Keegan. We appreciate it. Yep. yep. Unfiltered, unfiltered thoughts. A lot of the narrative heading into this one from the public was Brock Purdy's a rookie, Brock Purdy's carried by his weapons, It's only a matter of time before Brock Purdy turns into a pumpkin. Well, turns out that the oldest quarterback remaining in the playoffs was the one that was actually going to look overwhelmed and confused in this one. So after Dak Prescott goes out and has his career performance on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dak regresses back to the mean of what his season has been all year. Highly inconsistent and sloppy with the ball. His two turnovers in the first half lead to points in a low-scoring 19-12 to game. Just back-breaking INTs. And it really is a shame because the Cowboys' defense, they played their asses off, man. I haven't seen a defense all year long play this fast, pressure our quarterback this much, stop our run game that effectively and limit all of our yak opportunities. Was there a single long 49er play outside of George Kittle? No, they kept us in check. It, they put a lid on it. It was really impressive what they were able to do with their speed. And it didn't matter because their quarterback let them down. And really, at the end of the day, outside of Dax two interceptions, outside of the Zeke snap at the end of the game, I think this game... <laughs> For 49er fans is going to be remembered for the efforts that Fred Warner had on the defensive side of the ball and what George Kittle was able to do on the offensive side of the ball. So what was like five minutes in the podcast? We gotta talk about this Zeke play. What what was going on there,
1: Keegan? What's your what's your take on the end of this the end of game play here? I don't i first off, don't know what that call is. I don't even know how you agree, get the team to agree to run. That. Like as as a practice option, like how do you go up there and be like Zeke, we have to do this in the run-throughs and the walkthroughs. Like this is the play. Like how do they even agree to that as a team first? Off? Oh man, and it make it past practice to actually show up in a game. And second, no matter what they did, they could have thrown a hail mary. Dak could have thrown another pick. They could have tried to run like a like. Hitch and ladder play. It doesn't matter. We would have laughed, you know, because of the end of the game, clock management, how that game, you know, ended up going for the Cowboys. But they made it the most laughable thing they possibly could have. I mean, there was a thousand ways that they could have gone, and no, no last play from that far down the field ever, ever works. No. Right. Like there's no way it's working. Like you might as well go out with a piece of class and instead they put Zeke. Under a center and he gets demolished. And hey, I just want to say pretty good snap on Zeke's part. Let's be honest. He's one for one his career in a center. So. No one's talking
0: about it. It, it was, was a hell of a, it was a hell of a snap. No one's talking about it. It, it hell really of a was a snap.
1: Nobody wants to talk about it.
0: You you said that the 40 I mean you said that the Cowboys could have gone out with some class. Turns out they went out smoking glass. AO. Um talking that about was, the end of that
1: game that was, that was as bad as the play call sean okay
0: okay that was as bad as the uh play call i love to hear it uh, <laughs> at that end of the game play that could be zeke's final play as a cowboy it could be a cap casualty next year the cowboys are over the cap right now they need to re-sign tony pollard they need to bring in other players if they cut Ezekiel elliott they'll save like 11 million dollars in cap savings so that could very well be the last snap of zeke's career. As a cowboy. I mean, that is yep. absurd.
1: Have you ever seen those like uh evil, like looking Jerry Jones photos on Twitter? Like no. where he looks all super creepy. Oh, is that, okay. well, is verbal that meme he was, here. It's like
0: is is that when he was trying to segregate his school as a kid?
1: No, no, not oh, that one. Oh, okay. But it's like I saw okay. a bunch of memes, I'll have to find one and send them to you with like Jerry Jones looking at Tony Pollard's ankle and realizing he gets to keep him and Zeke on a discount now. It's just like evil Jerry Jones.
0: Yeah, we didn't even talk about it. Tony Pollard, fantasy standout. I'm a Tony Pollard truther. NFL standout this year. Yeah, breaks his leg in a terrible play. It just reminds you how awful football is. It just breaks his leg, and then essentially Dallas has no playmakers outside of CeeDee Lamb. And it's just CeeDee Lamb, and that's it. That was the offense, dude, and it just was that, done. They they had no chance after Tony Pollard broke his leg.
1: Kudos to Dallas for making it this far and like the season they had. Like I don't want to discredit that. You know, finished twelve and five in the regular season. They do get to the divisional round, but dude, they got to get some weapons next year on offense. They they absolutely have to add to this weapon core. I I think Schultz and Dak Prescott developed really good chemistry towards the end of the year. CD was a monster all year, but. Dude, Tony Pollard goes down, and their run game disappears. And Zeke is still a good short yardage back; like he's a veteran, but he can't rely on him for an entire game. You know, he no, can't they, be the focal point of your. They rushing couldn't run offense. the ball.
0: They couldn't run the ball with Zeke. No,
1: they literally had to abandon the run. He was, and honestly, awful. If it's not for Pollard's speed, like some of the plays he had in the beginning of the game before he got injured, like I mean, they. Thank God for Pollard's skill, right? Like he was adding to those plays. Like 49ers were snuffing all that out. On the touchdown drive, like on the first touchdown drive that Dallas had,
0: Tony Pollard played exceptionally well. It was a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of like checkoffs to CeeDee Lamb. I mean, check downs to CeeDee Lamb. Like a lot of like outside zone running concepts for Tony Pollard. Pretty much a perfectly called drive against the 49ers defense. And the minute Tony Pollard is out and you lose that speed, they had no chance. Like This is a game where it's like, you know who would be nah. really nice? If they had if they had Amari Cooper. That would be really nice if they had Amari Cooper in this one.
1: And they just didn't, didn't trotting, have an answer. Trotting Noah Brown and T.Y. Hilton out against the 49ers in a divisional round matchup is like, atrocious. And no disrespect to Michael Gallup either. I know he's still probably figuring out how to play at 100%, but I don't think he's the number two that they thought he was when they let Omari Cooper go for basically like a bag of cookies and a glass of milk, you know?
0: That's I mean, generous.
1: That'd be generous to get the glass of milk for what they got. Yeah, with, with <laughs> what they got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, exactly. Dallas's problems for the, for the offseason will be, you know, get Tony Pollard healthy, figure out what you want to do with Zach, and add another weapon to complement CeeDee Lamb. They can't roll out the same offensive personnel that they did this year. And well, maybe like Dak, this- I, I like to think Dak is a good quarterback, Sean, but maybe Dak is just he's not that upper echelon guy. And he's good, but maybe is good. not that good.
0: D- Dak is good.
1: He's good. He's, he's good gonna, but like he's gonna slice and
0: dice up bad, so- bad defenses, but he's gonna be like 50 50 against the elite defenses. He's just he's gonna make mistakes. He's just This sucks mistakes. because
1: I want to so bad be like, you know, Dak is not like the rest of the quarterbacks who are moving on to the championship round. But then that means I have to talk about Brock Purdy. I mean, you look at who's left. It's, it's the who's who of NFL quarterbacks right now. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Jalen Hurts. And it's Joe Burrow. And then you've got fucking Brock Purdy sitting there. It's uh, another verbal meme. Those guys, the army soldiers, lined up against the wall, and there's oh, the one dare in the clown you. costume. How
0: dare you, Brock? Is not the one in the in the cloud costume. Uh, Brock Purdy played pretty but well. He he played. He pretty outplayed well.
1: Dak. It matters right? Like that's what matters. Game by game, week by week, and Brock Purdy outplayed the opposing quarterback this weekend and helped get his team to the NFC Championship game. So kudos to Brock.
0: He he played really well against, by far and away, the best defense he's faced all season. He has not faced that kind of pass rush. He's got a tall order next week against the Eagles pass rush, which had 70 sacks this season, who had five more sacks of Daniel Jones. So I felt like it was a very good warm-up for next week, because Dallas was playing with their hair on fire. Dexter Lawrence, Michael Parsons. My goodness, and you you were hitting on this a little bit earlier. That Parsons versus Trent Williams matchup was something. Just strength on strength. It was awesome.
1: That was—it was one part of this game that I really enjoyed. Was like watching the trenches battle, which is like something you don't really watch for these days in the modern NFL. What a football guy!
0: What a football guy! You like the trenches, you. You, it you was, illegally it was watch
1: games yeah. while you drive.
0: This is incredible. You're just such a football guy, man. dude.
1: I guess that's what's that says a lot about what kind of football was being watched this week. But nonetheless, it was a great matchup between like two really solid units: the San Francisco offensive line and you know Dallas's defensive front. It, it was a good game. I mean, the score wasn't great. There wasn't a lot of flashy plays, but it was a good football. Game. And the Niners beat a really good defense, like you said. I mean, the Cowboys. Are legit and there's a reason they made it this far. And Dak just had a really, really poor game in the biggest game of the season. So, so Dak Prescott has a fifty million
0: dollar cap hit next season. Brock Purdy has a nine hundred thousand dollar cap hit next season. Just, uh, just, just for perspective there. But considering Dak Prescott's cap hit, they're going to be kind of pressed for options to upgrade this offense. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. They have some tight ends in the waiting that look pretty good. Maybe you let Schultz walk. You're probably going to have to pay Tony Pollard. They might franchise tag him. They have the 26th pick in the draft. They got to draft a wide receiver, right? They got to, right? Like
1: maybe, maybe. I it just what receiver? The thing is, the, the Cowboys need an impact wide receiver. Oh,
0: there's talk that wide receivers could fall in this draft, and they see a lot of value deeper in the deeper in the draft. So, so considering that, like they, they need a speed guy. They need someone who could take the top off the defense. Zaylen Hyatt could be an option. Quentin Johnston, if he's around. Jordan Addison. JSN. I think there's some guys in this draft that they could put in this offense, alleviate some pressure off of CD, make Dak's life easier, and really start to get back what they had with Amari Cooper. And I think that's what they'll need to do. Because they're they're a little pressed for options considering their salary cap situation.
1: I don't know, yeah, I mean all all good points, and yeah, maybe that is the route they have to go. Because like you said, they're not going to have a lot of money to spend, and I don't think the free agent wide receiver class is that great. Well, I'm not all caught up on that right now, but I looked at a couple. I like options. And, you know, there's some names out there, but maybe the draft is the way to go. But matter all that matters, they need to get another difference maker in their wide receiver group, and. Run it back with Dak again, and you pray that Tony Pollard gets back to full health and has a good recovery, and maybe you do move on from Zeke. You have Zeke to. Zeke being a cap have, casualty would be the smart move, but Jerry loves him, so we'll see.
0: There, there's no way. There's no way. that they, To the detriment of that roster, if keeping Zeke, you'd have to cut multiple players that actually have a real impact. If he does, Keegan, that, that is insane. That is truly, truly. But it's Jerry. He lives in his own world. He does his own thing. Uh, and another team that's seriously going to need to make some upgrades in the offseason to their offense, the Buffalo Bills. Keegan, what would be one word you'd describe the Bengals' 27-10 victory over the Bills at Orchard
1: Park? A shit-kicking. Shit-kicking. They had their foot on the gas from the beginning of the game And fucking took it to the Bills. And I mean, they didn't really ever have a chance to be in that game. You know, Jamar Chase gets that touchdown called back that should have been a touchdown, by the way, has possession, win his two feet are in in the end zone. And that should count in my mind. Little side rant. If you can just ret like stretch the ball over the goal line as a quarterback and it just has to break the plane for a second, why can't that Jamar Chase catch count? at the touchdown. But anyways, I digress. The point I'm trying to make is it would have been 21-0 at that point? Or what, 21-7? And instead it's 17-7? But there really wasn't a point where the Bills were in this game. No. They got outclassed, outcoached, and and the Bengals took it to them. They were the better team by far. It
0: looked like the Bengals were playing on easy mode. I, (laughs) I heard one person say that it looked like the Bengals were allowed to wear cleats and the Bills were only allowed to wear socks. like That's what it looked like. It looked like one team was playing in cleats, and another, another team was playing in socks. I, I truly was confused at it, it, it how that game broke. When we were covering it originally on Friday, the big storyline was that the Bengals were going to be down three starters on their offensive line, and that Joe Burrow could be potentially running for his life. Well, guess what? Joe Burrow was only pressured on 30% of his dropbacks in this one, compared to close to 50% for Josh Allen. The Bengals outrushed the Bills 172-63 in this one. Joe Mixon went over 100. Samaje Pirine looked excellent. This team, the Bills, are built to play indoors. They have like a speed finesse team. They got outclassed in their own stadium. They got bullied. They played soft, man. Like, that was pretty alarming. And Gabe Davis, I'm sorry, he's not the number two wide receiver on a Super Bowl team. And Cole Beasley's not your fucking wide receiver. Never has three. been. <laughs> he never has been. And Cole Beasley's not your yeah, wide receiver three. Somebody... Like, I- I'm sorry. Like, and Devin Sparrow's not to your my running back on one. on Twitter about that.
1: Yeah, I saw that on Twitter where it's like, you know, the Bills really had Josh Allen try to take them as far as they could with Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs as wide receivers and decided, hey, let's try that two years later again. It's like, what are you doing? They didn't match up at all against this game. And like you mentioned, the Bengals, rushing attack. Listen to this. Every person who had more than five rushing attempts in this game, Joe Mixon, Samaji P. Ryan, or Joe Burrow, averaged 4.7 or more yards per carry. I mean, Joe Burrow had 5.2 yards of carry. Joe Mixon had 5.3 yards of carry. And at one point, I thought the Bengals were just going to run it down their throats for an entire game. The Bills had no interest in stopping the run. And Joe Burrow just kind of sat back, picked him apart, and then took his chances when he had openings and just like kind of like methodically diced them apart. And he played such a fantastic game. And like, yeah, Bills played bad, but Bengals played super, super complete on all sides of the ball. And Joe Burrows, Joe Cool. I mean, the guy's not even phased one bit out there. Joe Mixon had 105 rushing yards in this game.
0: Almost half of them were before contact. This, This guy was averaging close to three to four yards per carry before being touched. The Bengals were down three starters on their offensive line. Like, they got bullied. The Bills looked soft. Joe Burrow clearly is the second-best quarterback in the NFL right now. The Bills clearly need to make some changes to bring in better playmakers. Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, and Ken Dorsey got outclassed and outcoached by Zach Taylor, Bill Callahan, and Lou Manarumo. I mean, I didn't think the Bengals were this good. Because of how they played last week against the Ravens. Also, side note: How good are the Ravens? Like, how good is the Ravens' defense if they were able to do this in Cincinnati and basically Cincinnati only wins because of because of, of that fumble return? Like, what?
1: like this is nuts. The Ravens were this good. Yeah, this good the whole time. And you're watching this Bills game. And you're thinking like, huh? Like, I wonder where the Ravens would be if their MVP quarterback was healthy. Like, would they have moved on? Would they be playing for an AFC championship this year or potentially like vying for a Super Bowl? I mean, it it really made me impressed what the Bengals or what the Ravens were able to do against the Bengals. And it it made me think less of the Bills. Honestly, when I watched this game, like it it made me think a lot less of the Bills in whole. And I'm a I like Josh Allen. You know, I think Sean McDermott's a fantastic coach. But I mean you said it they they don't have weapons to be built for this game. And Stephon Diggs is incredible, right? Like yeah, an amazing wide receiver one. But then Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, Isaiah McKenzie is who you're rolling out there. Cole Beasley starting a game, a AFC divisional round game in 2023, like felt wrong to me. Like It, it kind of gave me a, a stick feeling in my stomach to see him out there trying to make impactful plays. And then, you know, the running game, it's Devin so Singletary. Bad. Good it's fantasy so guy, you know, great fantasy guy. But for volume. is he a starting running back? No. James yeah. Cook, good piece, but can you like you know can you make him a bell cow running back? They have so many so many holes in this team that are kind of like get hidden by Josh Allen because he's a yes. superhuman.
0: He he, uh, he he hides everything. Like and Josh Allen led the team in rushing yards. He had twenty six. That is brutal. Brutal? Brutal. I don't even think Josh played that bad in this game. Like, I don't think it's his best game.
1: He just has to do too much.
0: I left the game thinking that wasn't Josh Allen's fault. Like, somebody needs to make a play on that team outside of Allen. And I get Diggs' frustration after the end of the game. And then, of course, this joker Eli Apple. Do you see that tweet from Eli Apple?
1: Oh, Oh, I, I saw it. I can't believe he, one, is talking so much shit because there's so much tape on him getting exposed. And I'm not saying Eli Apple, I, look, several year NFL vet, but like he always finds himself at the butt end of jokes and then puts himself out there by saying, like, trying to take a dig at Stephon Diggs, like using a DeMar Hamlin reference on Twitter. I'm like, dude, be better, you know, like, be better than that. And just like take your win and move on. Like, you don't need to participate in that conversation. If you go on his Twitter, he's just retweeting all these people like talking shit about the Bills. I'm like, okay, Eli Apple. Like, he's kind of like the Pat Beverly of the NFL. Wow. It's like the best way I could put it.
0: Wow. That is a good roast. Oh, my. Yeah. For, for our listeners, Eli Apple quoted Stefan Diggs' tweet about him saying more people care about my reaction than the actual loss itself with Cancun on three with a number three and the like heart emoji that DeMar Hamlin uses and DeMar Hamlin wears the number three. So it would appear that Eli Apple is, is mocking DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo bills. Not a good look. Not, not a good look. I'm just going to leave it at that. Not Not a good uh, look. Yeah. Eli Apple, (laughs) King of getting roasted by Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl and also coming across like a real douchebag on Twitter. Outside of that, how do you fix the bills, Keegan? Like, I, I think Khalil Shakir has to play more, right? He he needs to be more involved. They need a secondary playmaker and they need a thumper. They need a thumper in this draft. And and there's some good running backs that they could draft, but they just took James Cook with like the fifty eighth pick in the previous draft, but he clearly doesn't strike me as someone who's a bell cow. You need to mix him up with a different guy. Devin Singletary is a free agent. I mean,
1: does this sound like a pipe dream to put Bijan Robinson on the bills? I'm seeing some notes you have in here, and I've actually heard some people talk about this, but, like, who says no to Saquon if the Giants in him can't come to a deal? Saquon on the bills. You don't get another young running back, although Bijan is a different type of rookie running back. I get that, but. Somebody like Saquon, or like, what about a David Montgomery in this offense? You know, somebody, anybody. I think Dude. Saquon, David Montgomery are obviously immediate upgrades over Singletary, but
0: oh my goodness, they have imagine, to do something.
1: I think in the run game first,
0: imagine Saquon and Josh Allen together, it would be awesome. Wow, Saquon in that game in the snow, in the Bills' jersey fire me up that would be absurd he doesn't even have to move that far he stays in new york he doesn't have to change his like tax id
1: no (laughs) but the wide receiver core on top of replacing and moving on from devin singletary is the biggest thing you bump khalil shakir's snaps up you like let him have isaiah mckenzie's role that you try to give to him you let cole beasley go into retirement and you know what you can keep gabe on the roster but don't try and feature him as your number two like go go out there and, and try and get a secondary option to stefan diggs that's way better than gabe davis i'm sorry gabe davis has his moments deep ball threat i get that he's had some great plays in these past two seasons but we got to be honest about what this wide receiver room is like i mean it's kind of the same thing we're talking about with the cowboys right and josh allen hides a lot of these issues because he's a freak and he's an alien, and he makes the Bills move when they don't really have the talent to move sometimes. But if you just stack up their wide receiver room next to the Bengals who they played against, it's a joke. I mean, the Bengals' third wide receiver is Tyler Boyd, and he would immediately be the number two on the Bills. And then they've got T. Higgins, who could be a number one on 70% of NFL teams, and they have Jamar Chase on top of it. Hayden Hurst would be their number two. Like literally Hayden Hurst would be the number two best pass catcher
0: on the Bills right now. That's how good Hayden Hurst is playing.
1: They definitely have some holes. They have some holes. And as long as they have Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, they will be competitive. But they need to refine the offense, add some weapons to make that next push. And pretty soon, they don't start winning some big games in the playoffs, conversations will be had about Josh Allen. I mean, he's he's basically turning into this generation's Philip Rivers. Dude, I saw some of that. I saw some people making these comparisons. I would hate for that to happen to Josh. It's like you got Peyton
0: Manning and Tom Brady, which is Mahomes and Burrow, right? If you want to make that comparison. And then Josh is literally just like Philip Rivers off of the corner. <laughs> Fuck. That's brutal. That
1: stuff who's going to be this generation's Eli Manning, though? If you're going to talk about those, quarters? who's this that's you know kind of like the blind squirrel who ends up finding two nuts, two Super Bowl nuts? Brock Purdy. I mean, come on. Oh, god. <laughs> um, okay, so on to the next game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, the team that Saquon actually plays for the New York Giants played in a football game, if you want to call it that. What do you call that effort? Uh, that yeah, occurred they on played. Saturday night. Yeah, they play. They, they showed played. up. They showed up. The Philadelphia Eagles beat yeah. the New York Giants, thirty-eight to seven. Some people thought that the Giants would cover. Couldn't be me though. I I, I could I couldn't have uh, I couldn't have thought they'd covered. Turns out that the Giants' league worst rush DVOA against the Eagles' league best rush DVOA would be a mismatch who who would ever think that and it uh, turns out that the eagles had more rushing yards 268 than the giants had total yards 228 Jalen Hurts did he even break a sweat in this one I I don't know he didn't have to do much he, he played pretty well when his number was called but this game was all about Miles Sanders Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott the three-headed monster of running backs for the Philadelphia Eagles ran All over the hapless New York Giants front seven. Keegan, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this one. But this game was one in the trenches. And the Eagles absolutely dominated. I think I saw a couple running lanes in this one that an RV could have been driven through. Like That's how impressive the Eagles' offensive line was in this one. I don't know, man.
1: They're just good. They're They're good. good. I don't... They the schedule talks this year, who they play, blah, blah, all the stuff. No, they're one of the best rosters in the NFL, and there's a reason they're here. And credit to Dable, credit to the Giants. I think that was an amazing season. They punched way above their weight class for an entire NFL season. Even snuck past the Vikings in the super wild card. Don't forget the super. And don't you dare. They had a great season, but they ran into the Eagles. In the divisional round, and there really wasn't much they could do. Um, like you said, we don't want to spend too much time on it, but Boston Scott anytime touchdown scorer, as long as he's on the Eagles, I'm gonna take that bet for the rest of my life on the Giants. He has a, he has 18 career touchdowns, and 11 of those are against the Giants. I mean, it's so like a chalk. troll.
0: It was so chalk. It's a that troll it at this point. I can't believe it hit. It was so chalky, and of course, it smashed. Oh, that was that was.
1: Epic. Oh, um, Jalen Hurts and his group of talent around him are going to be a lot for San Francisco to match up with, and it's going to be awesome to see. I cannot wait to watch that game. There is so much talent that's going to be on that field from both sides of the ball, offense and defense for both teams. I, I mean, we. I'm done talking about this game because. They crushed the Giants, but next week's NFC Championship game is going to be fucking electric. Holy shit.
0: I'm a little more nervous about the Eagles' defense against the 49ers' offense. So in this game, Daniel Jones was pressured on 60% of his dropbacks. So It's pretty elite. It's pretty elite. Brock Purdy was pressured pretty heavily against the Cowboys. He held up pretty well. But this is going to be a really tough task for the 49ers offense. I don't want to spoil too much. We're going to have a whole week to talk about that game. But I think the strength on strength is the Eagles rushing attack versus the 49ers rush defense. It's number one versus number one. You got to love it.
1: Going to be so fun.
0: I'm more intrigued to see how the 49ers offense and what Kyle Shanahan does against the Eagles' defense. I think that's where that matchup is going to be won. But outside of the NFC Championship game, which we're all juiced for, the Giants do have an interesting offseason ahead of them. You think they're bringing back Daniel Jones, right?
1: Yes. He earned it. Okay.
0: okay. So you're going to bring him back on like a four-year deal, three-year deal. What do you think that looks like?
1: I'm Dude, not a big cap guy, but... I would have to think it's going to be somewhere around like the $30 million mark a year. Okay. And it's not crazy to think. I think he earned it. Okay. Do you think they bring back Saquon? Yes, but it's going to have to be for like $9 million a year. He's going to have to take a little bit under what maybe his true value is. I don't know how he could command like a Christian McCaffrey. What does Christian McCaffrey make? Like $16 mil? Sixteen. million. I heard he like, wants...
0: I heard he wants McCaffrey money, but he doesn't want to reset the market. So That makes me think he wants that like 12 to 15 range. He can't make less than Joe Mixon, dude. Joe Mixon makes like 12 a year. He, he can't.
1: Like, I know, but he he's realistic about his situation. He understands his injury history. And I think the Giants uh, with Dable leading this culture and like what they built this year, I think players might take a play cut. I even saw Leonard Williams talk about wanting to take a pay or be willing to take a pay cut because he wants to be a part of this team moving forward. And Saquon seems like a realistic guy. Maybe 9 is a little low, but if you could get him at 10 and a half, that makes it a bit better for their situation. Uh, but anything above 12 makes it really hard for the Giants to bring him and Jones back. So, he's got to take a little bit under if he wants to be a Giant again. And there will be plenty of talks about how they can make that happen, but I do think they pull it off. They, they bring back Jones. They bring back Saquon. You got to get some wide receivers gotta on this it. team. You Need know, it. shout out Isaiah Hodgins. Shout out, Richie They, they James, are filled with the waiver wire Richie heroes James. of yeah, they fantasy played, football. On they their played waiver.
0: They played waiver wires in real life. <laughs> like that's how they. That's how they built their receiving core. Richie James, 49er, great. Isaiah Hodgins, Bills, great. And uh, Darius Slate, of course, the guy they've tried to get rid of for three years, who's still on the team. Richie they, James
1: and Isaiah Hodgins are like Madden-created players. When you're in like the seventh year of your franchise mode, <laughs> they're running out of real rookies to put in there.
0: Richie James is catching passes from Nick Mullins, baby. That was a that was an interesting time in the Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan time. <laughs> um, they gotta they gotta draft the wide receiver or trade for one you think they draft one at 25 or do you think they trade for one
1: well if they're that's the same pick range that we're talking about with the cowboys. the cowboys right yeah. like and there might bills, be bills yeah bills there, too. there might be some talent on there so drafting one's always the cheap option right but like they need a veteran they need somebody to be what Kenny Galladay was supposed to be for this team and they'll they'll cut losses with that and they'll they'll probably move on from him but i think they need like an older like proven vet in this in this locker room and maybe you also draft one as one too but they need a full overhaul it's not one move that solves their receiving room and fuck they don't even really have their tight end position figured out fully honestly
0: yeah i'm just looking at this team outside
1: of saquon for fantasy football
0: like Daniel Jones definitely could be like a, a dart throw in like the QB9 to 12 range, right? But that's it right now. Maybe you draft Hodgins in like the eighth or ninth round if they don't make any upgrades. But this team needs an alpha, and it appears DeAndre Hopkins on the market. Maybe because Daniel Jones already been playing for five years and you have some semi-veterans, it, it might make sense to, to add Hopkins based off of his timeline. But I don't know. They, they need an upgrade and they need an upgrade bad. But we don't even know which wide receivers are going to be available. I feel like s- some surprises are going to be had, and I just don't know what it's going to be. But
1: they The list of current free agents is like like Jacoby Myers leads the free agent class right now for most intriguing receiver available. So He'd be a stud. It's a little too early to tell and take a look at.
0: Jacoby Myers is a stud. He'd be You're a stud
1: in most places. Yeah,
0: Jacoby Myers is a stud. We were talking about this earlier today. Christian Kirk got all that money last year. Everyone said it was terrible. He ends up playing extremely well. It was one of the best free agent signings of the year. Jacoby Myers is going to get similar money to Christian Kirk, and it's going to be the same narrative, and he's going to play really well to the team that signs him. That's my, that's my call. I'm, I'm planting my flag in that. Why is it that every and team that got eliminated today like, doesn't have a good second wide receiver?
1: You look at the depth of the teams who won, it's just proper team building, you know, talent. Lots except Mahomes' of talent, it's
0: just except Mahomes. Mahomes is the exception that proves the rule, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's what makes him so good. We, I mean, we we can move on and talk yeah, about that exactly. game. And yeah. before we get into the details of the Chiefs-Jags game, you know, I was talking to you about the Chiefs had over seven thousand yards of offense this season, and outside of Kelsey, they're running out a group of you know Tony, Justin, <laughs> Watson mvs juju like nobody really like re- like i don't there's no all-stars right there's no super studs like it's amazing what mahomes makes happen kelsey in this offense and how andy Reid coaches it's and kelsey of course is incredible like he is their alpha he's their number one but to the chiefs man they almost had a scare with the Mahomes injury. And, you know, yeah. just to recap for everybody, the Chiefs end up beating the Jags 27 to 20 in a close game. It didn't feel close in the beginning, but then the Mahomes injury happens. We get a little Chad Henney action. Trevor Lawrence tries his best. Um, this kind of feels like a team that's like waiting in the wings. We'll be good to go next year. And Mahomes moves on, but they've got a really bad injury for Mahomes. It's not going to be easy to play on against the Bengals next week.
0: The Bengals are now favored by one and a half points at Arrowhead. That line has already flipped three points. The Chiefs opened his favorites. I'm a little concerned about Mahomes' injury. And, of course, everyone's going to remember this game for the fact that Patrick Mahomes came into the second half on one leg and was throwing touchdowns to MVS off, off his wrong foot. I'm going to remember this game as the Travis-Kelsey game. If the Chiefs don't have Travis-Kelsey in this one, they lose by 10 points. The like key was that important. And again, it, it was another insane mismatch where the Jaguars are the worst team in the league at covering tight ends. The Chiefs have the best tight end. So they were able to lean on that mismatch and ride it home. Kelsey had 14 catches for 98 yards and two touchdowns. What more can you say about the guy? You, you can't bring him down, Keegan. He's just a force of nature. Him or Gronk, pick your flavor on the best tight ends of all time. Kelsey's more of a receiver, Gronk's more of a complete tight end. But it's hard to delegitimize the resume that Kelsey's put together. Just a freak, dude. Just an absolute freak.
1: He has like such a high level of football IQ, spatial awareness, like understanding where he is like especially when a play breaks down and this is going to play a huge role in their game against the Bengals next week in the championship round because Mahomes is going to be hobbled Mahomes loves the off script loves getting out of the pocket when he needs to and that's where Kelsey's so good I mean he always knows where Mahomes eyes are he knows where he can feel people around him like a quarterback feels pressure in the pocket but he feels it in like the first and second levels of the receiving field, and it's amazing that he's always open. And it's not just because people aren't paying attention; it's because he knows when to exit his zone or when he's actually available to catch a ball. It's it's really it's special surreal. how it's he operates. To watch. It's it's so cool, and
0: especially with the well, we see meld, some more of that. The mind meld with Mahomes, like how sometimes Kelsey's not even yeah. running routes. It's just like they're just playing backyard football watching each other go after it and it's it's really cool to watch it, it, it makes me nervous though outside of Mahomes injury like the chiefs don't have a secondary playmaker like Tony's being used as a gadget player looks really good Pacheco looked good in this one like actually really good he looked really similar to ETN who also looked fantastic ETN somebody that I will be drafting An absurd amount of next year. Like, that is 100% confirmed. I'm all in on ETN, as an aside. But the Chiefs are are throwing it to MVS and Juju. They desperately need a second guy to emerge. Like, if Kelsey gets taken away, the the Chiefs are are fucked. Like, they are truly fucked. They don't have another guy to go to. They don't have another button to hit. And I know typically... You'd be like, well, it's Mahomes. Well, Mahomes is literally playing on a high ankle sprain. Potentially worse. Yeah. I don't know what they're supposed to do. And I'm telling you, man, the Jags played a phenomenal game. Like, Trevor Lawrence played really well. If it wasn't for that Jamal Agnew fumble in the red zone, this game might go a different direction. Like, this game was closer than it looked. And even though the Chiefs were kind of always ahead, it was the Jags kind of making mental errors and playing like the younger team that didn't have a ton of
1: experience, Mm -hmm.
0: who was also missing like an alpha. Like Trevor Lawrence, if you get in these negative plays where it's third and long, third and 12, they really lack a playmaker to get the ball to in those situations. Another example of someone we're quite excited about next year, Calvin Ridley, who's going to get welcomed into this offense. I just think that the Jags, are super close to going up to another level, which people aren't ready to understand. And it might be the level that the Bengals currently are playing at. Maybe a smidge below it. But at least offensively, they can match what the Bengals are doing right now, hopefully. And that's why I'm skeptical. Even though they were never really in danger of losing. If the ball bounces in a couple different ways, the, the Chiefs could lose this game. And with Mahomes' injury... And how one-dimensional this offense can feel sometimes, I'm not feeling too hot about about the Chiefs next week, even though they have Mahomes, and I don't want to deny Mahomes, man.
1: Yeah, fully healthy Mahomes, and like we can scratch almost all this stuff we're saying, right, because it's always going to be a game, but that's a serious injury. That's a bad sprain. And, dude, the Jaguars didn't take advantage of what... They needed to. Like when Mahomes got injured, they didn't take advantage of Chad Henney coming in. And dude, props to Chad Henney for coming in and Andy Reid saying like, fuck it, we're going to run the same exact offense. I'm not changing anything. Chad, go out there and tell Pat's back and just do what we need you to do. But when Pat's back...
0: Pacheco carried that drive too. Pacheco was awesome
1: on that drive. That Pacheco run was awesome. You know, bounce off the guys behind the line of scrimmage and take off. That was the fastest I think I've seen him look all season. He looked looked so good on that play.
0: Yeah, you looked like a kicker. It turn.
1: was awesome. But the Jags just didn't get enough pressure on an injured Mahomes. Like, didn't try and get him off his foot and didn't try to, like, bring anybody to make him feel uncomfortable. I feel like that was the big miss for the Jaguars, on defense at least. You know, they, they needed to do more to bother Mahomes when he was banged up, and they just didn't. And they kept in this game, but they didn't try hard enough to throw Mahomes off schedule and give themselves a better chance to stay in this game. And like you said there's a couple of plays where this mental errors, young team stuff the Jamal Agnew fumble Christian Kirk a fantastic drop game I'm I'm a president of the Christian Kru- Kirk Pan Club I've been watching him for like 8 years since his AM career I love him but the drop killed so much momentum It was one of the best balls Trevor Lawrence has thrown all year insane and it's bro. right there insane throw insane, insane and those are the moments that you have to come up big. I mean, it's, yeah, you it's have the divisional to make a play. round. You're going to beat the Chiefs. You got to gotta
0: make that play. You got to make it.
1: It's- you're you're only a couple plays away, though, if you're the Jaguars. I think you feel really good going to the offseason. You turned you know, what was going to be a, a horrific waste of Trevor Lawrence's early years, and Doug Peterson takes them into the playoffs. They go 9-8. and eight. They win the wild card round. They get to face off the Chiefs. And they'll be back in the mix next year. Like you said, they add Calvin Ridley to this offense. I mean, we just talked about all these teams that need to add somebody to their core talent They've already done it. And the Jags have already done it. They've already done it. They already have it taken care of. And I I just think I'm really, really excited to see them on the next year. And I hope like, you know, Trevor Lawrence has hanging his head high. That was a great year for him. Good bounce back after having to deal with Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson's awesome. Calvin Ridley next year. ETM next year, Christian Kirk, the emergence of Evan Ingram. I mean, heck, they're going to be dude, so much fun. They're a Trevor great Lawrence, fantasy team next year, too. Yeah,
0: they're going to be great for fantasy next year. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a top six, top seven quarterback. A, another year in Doug Peterson's system. Christian Kirk is a wide receiver, too, potentially. I think we have to temper expectations because Calvin Ridley hasn't really played in two years, but he's still only 28 years old. He has elite production. And as an elite prospect profile coming out of college in Alabama. So you have to feel excited about it. I got to ask you, what round would you take Calvin Ridley in fantasy right now?
1: It's tough because I don't look at him. He's not coming off an injury, he's just coming off of season with no game reps. Like his body doesn't have NFL mileage added to it because he missed a year. You know, I'm sure he's been working out. Dude, he's missing. So I'm not two. worried about his health he, or football he abilities. Didn't, he didn't really two, play the two year years. before either.
0: Like he might have played, because remember he had like depression yeah, yeah, and anxiety. I don't know the, what was going on, but he, he basically wasn't playing the year before either. So you're you're looking so, at like a Deshaun Watson level of like
1: 700 Not places. playing. Yes. So he doesn't have injury mileage on him, but he also doesn't have NFL game reps. Dude, if, if I don't get him in Let's say the seventh or eighth round, like just on a swing. And then I'm probably oh. not going to street, like reach oh. for him. I, I'm not going to go for the Seven fifth or, or eighth. I'm not going to try and take him in the fifth or sixth round. I, if he falls, I'll take him
0: bro. I've got Ridley in the third or fourth, man. He's going to be a third or fourth round.
1: pick. No way, dude. i I'm not wasting a pick like that on him.
0: You're not wasting
1: a pick. Dude, dude. Deandre Hopkins missed six games this year and people were taking him in like the fifth and sixth round even he's, he's a missing,
0: proven because he was missing games in season it wasn't for the fact that he i know but don't you think it's gonna period.
1: take five to six games for calvin ridley to get like ramped up like there's no way he's gonna make an impact on your fantasy team in the first six weeks maybe and i'm just being realistic here but i'm not gonna take him in the third or fourth round knowing that he's not gonna be productive for at least four weeks
0: he's gonna be like a fourth round guy
1: I will not be participating in that as much as I'm excited about it. As a fan, I will not be participating in a fourth round. Calvin Ridley draft pick when, you know, who's somebody that went in the fourth round this year, Sean, that you could compare Mike Williams,
0: to. Mike Williams went in the fourth round.
1: Okay. Bad example. Who's somebody that got to play all year that you took in the fourth round this year, Cortland Sutton. Buck. <laughs> okay. One more. This is good exercise. Um, but you get you it, get my point of view, view right? right?
0: Like, I get your point. You're taking a much more like risk-averse stance. So you're you're saying like seventh or eighth. I'm saying like third, third or fourth. So like we'll settle into the five, six, four range. I'm telling you, they're gonna see off-season videos of him playing and like him doing training videos. You're gonna see him at training camp catching balls from T-Law. You're gonna hear about how Calvin Ridley's working his tail off. First one in, first one out. He's ready to go. They're going to pump the shit out of Calvin Ridley's stock, dude. It's, he's going he's gonna to fly up the boards, and I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy the shit out of Calvin Ridley in the Jaguars. Have you ever had Calvin Ridley in fantasy before? That's the good question to ask before we go. Have you had Calvin Ridley in fantasy?
1: I have not driven down. Okay. I have not okay. driven down on okay. the Calvin okay. Ridley Avenue. Okay.
0: Calvin Ridley. Is so fucking good. Like, I don't think you understand how good Calvin Ridley is at football and how good he is at fantasy football. Dude, no, I know him. how good he is. Dude, Calvin Ridley is a fucking maniac. I've had him on two different championship teams. He is a stud. like right. Stud. I, I am, I'm, all, I'm just talking myself in. He, he's hopping in the third round right now in my rankings. But no, you've had Calvin Ridley. You had Calvin Ridley as rookie year.
1: I'm thinking back. I'm actually looking at old draft boards. Yeah,
0: you you had to... him. You had him. You had him because he cut four touchdowns in that game that one year, and you thought you were onto something, and he didn't really do anything else instead of that four touchdowns.
1: In the yeah, 2020 Ridley... draft I was in, he went in the fourth round in 2020. And you
0: know what he, and you know what he did? He had 1,300 receiving yards and nine touchdowns in an offense that had Julio Jones. Not too bad. He is going to be this year's Stephon Diggs. Book it. All right, Keegan. All right, Sean. Can we, can, we, can we do something real quick?
1: I'm ready. Do you have another exercise for me?
0: No. I want to send somebody to fantasy jail real quick. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail.
1: Oh, let's bring a fantasy jail back. Who are we sending to fantasy jail, Sean?
0: It isn't fantasy jail, it's football jail, but I want to send the last three minutes of that 49er Cowboy game To football jail, or fantasy jail, or whatever the hell jail we want to throw it in, because that sequence was absolutely insane. So, Cowboys have the ball with three minutes remaining, trying to drive down seven. Dak Prescott does absolutely nothing. I think he gets sacked. They lose a couple yards. Mike McCarthy has an opportunity, with less than three minutes to go, to go for it or kick the ball. They decide to kick the punt. Very cowardly punt trying to get the punt unit on the field before the two-minute warning so they don't actually lose time to the two-minute warning. So they barely get that off. That barely happens, and they pump the ball to Ray-Ray McLeod. Ray-Ray McLeod decides to fair catch it instead of trying to run around and get this ball past the two-minute warning. Insane. This is just an example of two teams who do not want to win. They're just trying to lose. Okay, so the 49ers have the ball. They have a great play call They're able to get a first down past the two-minute warning. Time to run the clock out. Elijah Mitchell, first two runs, gets nowhere. His third run breaks it for 15 yards, and he steps out of bounds. The game's over, Keegan. He steps out of bounds. So we have to run two more plays. We end up punting it to the Cowboys. And then hilarity ensues. We have Dak Prescott rolling in the back of the end zone. Should have gotten sacked. Should have been a safety for Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead just looks up and is confused that Dax still has the ball, and just doesn't tackle him.
1: Yeah, he like ran into him, but didn't doesn't like tackle fully him. tackle him. Do- doesn't tackle him.
0: Okay, so that happens. Then we have a Dalton Schultz catching the ball and sh- nonchalantly like kind of walking out of bounds, but because he gets hit backwards, his forward progress doesn't stop, and he d- it doesn't count as going out of bounds and stopping the clock. So the clock keeps running. They spike it. They throw to Schultz later downfield. And somehow Schultz doesn't catch the ball. He steps out of bounds on a 15-yard gain. And then we get the Zeke play. So in the final three minutes of that game, you have the 49ers and Cowboys trying to be as dumb as humanly possible and play the none of us want to win this game game. And for that, I'm sending them to fantasy slash football jail for putting me through that because I was a wreck. I should not have had to sweat that. But the cherry on top for all of it was we got to see the Zeke snap. So I guess it was all worth it in the end.
1: Everything was worth it to see him get pancaked like that. One snap at center, one pancake against one clean snap. Safe to say he will never line up in that position again. All right, man.
0: I appreciate you hopping on. We will be back on Friday for a loaded Conference championship game betting preview keegan, you'll be back you were at an all time high in terms of your performance for the vibe check. you're bringing the stats, bringing the vibes you're a necessary piece, Keegan. How could we have I, an episode I, without you?
1: I think I might have to unretire from sports gambling after some of that stuff I gave out
0: you were out of control you're I not allowed I gave to that waste. out for free. You're not allowed to place a single bet because we're not, we're not breaking up what you had going last week. That's for sure. You, you actually provided an edge for the first time for our listeners. Our listeners have been hemorrhaging money if they've been listening to us all year long. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, follow, leave a review. We appreciate your support. Just subscribe. We, our episodes, they come out two, two times a week. We want to make sure you're getting them. You're seeing them. This is great content. Thank you again for all your support. And Keegan, I'll talk to you soon, man. We'll talk to you soon, Sean. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you soon.